Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. You doing well this morning? Good. Wonderful. It's good to see you. You're looking good. Everybody's looking at the screen. We're switching up the series today. Uh, and this series uh, is entitled Watchmen. And uh, I wanted to read um, a verse kind of that this comes out of. Uh, and it's not going to be on the, on the screen there. But I just wanted to just explain to you my thoughts and my feeling. And this scripture kind of embodies what I have been feeling lately and and you know Tori and I were talking and like I forget what it was we were talking about but she was she asked me she was like this question was like well what would you say yeah like what is your assignment like what is it that that you're supposed to do or what God is calling you to do and and so I was explaining it to her but then you know, as I read this verse, I just, I felt it real hard, you know? You know, sometimes it just grabs hold of you. Um, so in Isaiah 62, in verse 6, it says, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And then down in verse 10, it says, Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. And in that scripture, I kind of felt like what God is just, you know, in that, that question that, that I was asked, and I was just like, we are called to be watchmen. And I'm going to explain a little bit what that means, but, but really, you know, I think so many times, or maybe not so many times, but I think sometimes we think that, that like, oh yeah, I get to watch, you know, I'm going to watch and see all that's going to happen, or I'm going to, you know, see this big thing that God's going to do, or I'm going to see how people are doing it wrong, or whatever, you know, all these things. But when but when I think about being this watchman like God saying, I want you to be one that watches out for what I'm doing. I want you to be one that says, that goes through the gates, that prepares the way. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about you. To remove the stones, you know, get the, get the mess off the street. Prepare the way for people to come to know him to be in His presence, to, to be a part of His family. But when I think about those things, I think, what is it, God, that you need from me, or what do I need to do? How do I need to see? What do I need to change? What do I, I need to realize is in my life that shouldn't be there? Because, see, He's going to show us those things. We're going to see those things. But those aren't the things that we should be thinking about when we're watchmen. We should be thinking about if we're ready to see it. 
This word watchman is pronounced uh, in Hebrew, it's safah. And I, I want to read the definition, but then also some of the ways that it is used in the Bible, some of the ways that it's translated to is to watch or to behold or to look well. And the definition is to lean forward, to peer into the distance, to observe, await, to behold, look up, or to look well, to see well. That's, that's one that like hit me. Not just to see something, but to see it rightly, to see it the way that God wants me to see it, to see it so far in the distance because I've got God's eyes that I see something coming. And I'm ready for it. And also to wait for. But when I'm thinking about this, I, I, I think, can, can we look into the, into the future, if you will? Can we look forward and see the big things that God wants to do? Or is already planning? Can we see? Can we look forward as watchmen and see those big things, but live in the smallness of today? Because it's easy to, to live in that place that, that we want to be, or we see that God is going to do. And not live well in this day, this small day that we're in. In Zechariah 4.6, it says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. That one's not an easy one to say fast. Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it then. You will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now in this, like, in this whole moment, you, you have Zechariah and he's speaking this well, God is speaking to him to, to give this word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And, and I'm going to go back to the story for a little bit, but I want to see. You see God speaking to, uh, let's say, an attitude or, or a situation that they are having where people are despising the day of small beginnings. But our God, while He is a big, big God and has big plans and wants to do so many great things in our lives, I mean, I, I can't even imagine all the things He wants to do 
Not just in my life, but in your life and in this church and in the world. There's so many things. And, and I want to be able to look at that and see those things coming afar off. But our God also loves the small things. He loves to see those that don't think they're something be something when they come into the power of His grace and His presence. So can we peer into the distance and see the big while in the small? And I, I, I'll tell you, I, I know this is something that we all deal with, and I know that I deal with it too. And it's like, God, you said you're going to do these great things. You said you're going to, you know, multiply and, and, and bring great and wondrous things into my life or in, in each and every one of our lives. And and we get stuck in this moment of seeing what God has promised. And forgetting that today is the foundation of what He has promised. And if I don't live well today, if I don't walk these steps, these tiny little baby steps that He's asked me to walk today, that that foundation won't be laid for that thing. And I can actually even mess up what he's going to do. Not that God can't accomplish things, but he might not use me. He didn't necessarily promise that those things, he promised things are going to happen. But if I mess it up, maybe he'll use somebody else. I don't want that to happen. I want to see each and every one of us walking these things out with God to lay this foundation. And the foundation gets bigger and bigger and bigger until He can build something great on top of this foundation that we've laid. In Ezra 3, starting in verse 10, so we're going to this place where Zechariah was speaking over and in verse 10, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with the trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all of the people shouted with a great shout when the praise of the Lord, with the praise, when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So you see this moment, and you have Zerubbabel coming to, to lay this foundation once again, to see the temple of God be restored. A place for him to dwell. So he's working on this. And he's got guys, the, the priests and Levites and all the people that are there with him to help him build this temple. 
And he's laying this foundation. In verse 12, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. There's a handful of things in this scripture. And you might be thinking that, I'm going to say, you know, these older people that had saw the, the temple before in all its glory, in its former glory, that, you know, they were wailing and, and weeping because it wasn't what it once was. And there was that. But what I also see is that they see this foundation and can't see into the future to see what it will be. That God isn't creating something small. It may not look like it is going to look when it's finished. But can we work and see what He is doing right now? Now, the younger guys, they were all happy because they had no idea what it looked like before, you know. So they're like, they would be happy even if it was small. But I believe that, that God wants us to see something here that it's, that there's something so great that he wants for his people. That he wants us to look into the future. He wants us to see those things afar off. But don't get messed up because you don't see that thing right here and right now. Can you see that that foundation being laid is the foundation for that big thing? And can, I, can, can, we, can, can we follow where he's leading right now? In this moment. Can we follow him? Can we understand? And that's why, like being a watchman, it's, it's when it says to, to look well. I, I imagine that's, that's not even looking with my own eyes, but seeing with discernment. Seeing with the understanding and the knowledge that God can give. Where I can look and see what He wants to do, but also see that that thing Today is what he wants to do. I'm telling you, I've had many times. I've had many times where I've been like, God, you said 
that this was going to happen? When is it going to happen? And I'll give you even an example because there's been, and I may have mentioned this in another message, but there's been quite a few people speak a word from God over me in the past like year or two years. And actually the the craziest thing without going into the details is even five, six something years ago, whenever I was at a, uh, it was like a Hillsong uh, concert up at the amphitheater and somebody was walking by, I was standing in the aisle and somebody was walking by and turns around and is like, hey, I got a word of God from you, for you. It was like, you don't know me. But I, but I want to tell you the craziest thing is that every time, there's probably four or five, maybe, different times that somebody has spoken something from God to me, that there are a handful of things in that that are exactly the same words. And do you know that I get frustrated because I don't see it right now. That's my point of telling you this. You guys are all getting like, woo, yeah. I'm like, see, I'm going to look inward and say, there's something big that God has spoken multiple times over my life. And he's speaking these things over your life. But what the problem is, is that we can tend to get frustrated and messed up because I don't see it right now. But I believe that God has been speaking to me and saying, but you're in it. You just can't see it yet. He, he's working on that foundation and laying those things under your feet so that the foundation will be there for when he does put the stuff on top of it. And can we see? You know, I feel like that's what God was saying. Like, I don't know. I mean, this temple... They, we're talking about here with Zerubbabel. I mean, it was going to be a long time to really the full fulfillment of that temple, which was Jesus. Right? And I don't know. I'm not going to be around four or five hundred years, you know, like it took back then. But how can I be upset if, if it's on God's timeline, right? Can I, can I see that he is doing that work in me. Can you see that he is doing that work in you right now? That that temple is in you. That big word of the Lord, that thing that he's spoken over you, it's there. It's there right now in those steps that you're taking. Oh, goodness. But he likes, I mean, God likes to use the little things. Right? Like, I mean, I can't even think of all the stories in the Bible where he used the one that, that nobody thought.
Let me go to Luke 19. And I'm going to bring this into us being a steward of what God has given us. In Luke 19, 11, it says, Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. See, his disciples, these people around him had been around him and seen miracle after miracle. They had seen these things happen, believing and trusting and knowing. But the problem was is that they thought that that thing was going to happen, that when, God, when, when Jesus was speaking about this kingdom, that he was going to establish it right then and right there. And that big thing was just going to plop down on him. And he knew that, and so he spoke this parable, and it says, Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country, to receive himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas. And I, as I was reading, I think it, it said that a mina was like three months' salary back then. And he said to them, do, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, because you are faithful in very little have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept away in a handkerchief, for I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your mouth I will judge you you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Now, <laughs> there's, so, there's so much in this. But you can see that he's talking in this parable about a kingdom and and he's going to, to acquire a kingdom, to prepare a kingdom, this nobleman. And you have Jesus and, and, and the, the disciples, they all know that, that his kingdom is coming, that he has said, like, I, I want you guys to be a part of my kingdom. And, and we are going to, to do something great in the world around us, and they're like, yeah, let's do it now. Let's just knock down all your enemies and kill them, and it's going to be awesome. And in this parable, Jesus says, 
Actually, what's going to happen is I want to give you something to be a steward over to see if you can actually lead in my kingdom. And so to one, or he gave them ten minas and, and he gave them a mina, whatever, something like that. But he gave them this money and said, do business with it. And God is giving us his word. He's giving us who he is. Like we have everything, right? Through Christ, we have those things that he has. Because he's given them to us as we come into his family, as we come to know him. And I believe God is speaking and saying, do business with it. Do something with what I have given you. Can you manage it rightly? Can you steward it correctly? Can you do something with what I have given you? And when he comes back, what is it that we're going to say? Because the, the one at the end of that parable, he gave him back what he had given. But there was nothing added to it. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose his salvation. He, he didn't, you know, tarnish it or whatever. He kept it safe and sound. But there was nothing that he did with what God had given him, with, with what that nobleman had given him. And he said, why did I even give it to you in the first place? Take it away. Give it to the one who had gained some. I don't know how totally to wrap my mind around that. But what I don't want God to say to me is, you didn't do anything. You might as well have even just put it in the bank and got a tiny little fraction of something back. But I want to be like that one that invested, that, that did that business. And when he came, he's like, look, I have 10. I have what you gave me and 10 more. Because he didn't sit on it. He didn't just sit there and not do anything. He got up and used what had been given to him. And there was multiplication involved. But we want the big right now. Say, God said he was going to send me over 10 cities. And maybe he did. And I feel that same way. God has spoken so many things to me. But I don't want to look at that and hide in fear, right? I want to see that what he's given me right now is to prepare me for the 10 cities. Because that's what he said, like, right? Like he said, 
do something with this while I'm gone. When he comes back, I want him to say, oh, look how you, how you stewarded what I gave you. Look how you dealt with those situations, how you walked each day in that day, seeing what I was going to do, but living and walking and seeing well in what you were doing that day so that you could step forward into what I have called you to do. Now that you've done that, I'll Hey, why don't you be over all this stuff that I have actually spoken over your life? Why, won't you, why, why, why don't you now step into the fullness of what I've called you to? That's... <clears throat> you know, I, I was... I was debating whether to, to, to use this scripture, so I don't think that they have it, but I'm going to read it anyway. In Matthew 11, you have Jesus and he's, you know, this delegation comes and from, from John and, and says, are you the one that we're looking for? And so they have this moment. <clears throat> and so Jesus starts to speak to the people around him. And, and he, <clears throat> he says, you guys are looking for something. You're looking for some savior. You're looking for this thing to happen in, around you, all this stuff. But the way that you are living, the way that you are walking out what I've given you is all wrong. In Matthew eleven thirteen, 13, it says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in verse 16, he says, <laughs> But to what shall I liken this generation? And now, as I read this scripture, I was like, how could this so perfectly be us today also? But to what should I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. <laughs> He's saying, listen, how should I talk about who you are, how you've been, how you've been acting? And he says, you're like children in the marketplace. You're like these little babies that are saying, we played the flute, and you didn't even dance. You didn't even mourn when we were mourning. What is he saying? He's saying, what you're doing is trying to get God to do things the way that you want. Or you're pay having this service, this, woo, this awesome concert, and it's going great. And you're like, God, why aren't you doing something? And he's like, I, because what? You want me to dance because you're playing the flute? 
You want me to mourn because you screwed up? What do you want me to do? This isn't how it works. It says you're like a group of spoiled children. Expecting God to dance when you say dance. You know, like, oh. <laughs> doing what you do, thinking like, oh, look, I could do this, you know, all this stuff in your own strength and the way that you want it. And it's just looking up at God and saying, are you not entertained? What? In verse 18, it says, For John came neither eating nor drinking. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine bibber. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. He says, listen, you're like a bunch of children saying dance when we want to dance, when, you know, you know be happy because, because we're playing the flute, be sad because I screwed up, you know, all this stuff. And he's saying, listen, if, if you see what you're actually doing, you looked at John because he wasn't eating and drinking. He's out there in the field, you know, maybe looking a little whatever, a mess, eating locust the honey, and you're like, that guy has got to be possessed. There is something wrong with him because he's not doing things the way that we are doing things. And then he says, then I come and I sit and eat and drink. With you, but not only you, I sit and eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners and the other people. And you're saying, look at him, that drunkard. It's like, make up your mind. Which, which way is it? And if you can see this, is the problem isn't. Is it with other people? It's the way that we think that we are the judge of what God wants to do or how He wants to do it. But we're not the judge. We're not the jury. We're the ones on trial. And somehow we try to be the one judging what's going on. You know, I just imagine, like in a courtroom, and, you know, judge being like, you don't get to ask the questions around here. I do. I, I do. This isn't your courtroom. Right? God says, it's mine. You're here to do what I say. I'm not here to do what you said. <laughs> so my whole point in this 
is that I believe that God is doing something great in our world. I believe that He is laying foundations for what He wants to do. And He wants us to see them, how He see it, see what He's doing right now, today, what He's doing, and walk in this day well, seeing, of course, afar off to see what He will do, but seeing right now what He's doing in you and doing it well, walking with Him, not frustrated because it's not what it will be, but so happy because we're laying that foundation of what will be. Like, I, I want to see, I want to see this stone being set down and not just see the stone, but see the temple, right? It's not just the stone, it's the temple. It's all of it. Can we see what he's doing? Right now. <laughs> Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.